What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lisa likes the window seat at night, the lights below that tell her she's nearly home. Then there's the lights she can't see. The runway lights we power to bring her plane safely into land. And because at Energia, we also power all of Ireland's streetlights, Lisa's taxi home is that bit safer too. And no prizes for guessing who powers her house. Welcome home, Lisa. Energia, the power behind your power. sport. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any wins. You go play to win. When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then we're tired. Get out. Because it matters. So how did that just feel? Feel great. Poetic justice. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Jets Radio. This is your host, Tyson Roush, and we'll be joined with our good friend, Panda, momentarily. But before we do that, you call us in at 929-477-2651. Also, we're live on Twitter, at TalkJetsRadio. So if you have questions, want things you want us to talk about, fire them away. We'll do our best to get back to you during the show or after the show. So with that being said, Mr. Joe, we got a lot of news, man. We've got a head coach and a general manager in place, finally. Yes, we do. It's a great day to be a Jet fan, or at least we hope so, with the official arrival of McCagnan and Bowles combination. And, you know, after watching the press conference, I'm excited to see what these two can do. You know, what the, the, the coolest thing about this press conference, to be honest with you, was no headlines came out of it. It was no dog and pony show. There was no circus. There was no flash. There was no sizzle. And for me, that was a refreshing change. Oh, yeah, totally. I couldn't agree with you more, man. I mean, it was great to just watch a press conference, get some information. You're not everybody's going crazy, getting excited about some stupid headline or saying I'm not here to kiss somebody's rings. You know, I think both Bowles and McCagney, I think they both did a great professional job. And uh, it's, a, it's a breath of fresh air for this organization. Yeah, no doubt. And the, the terms that came out of it most, I mean, we kind of knew what to expect out of this, but it's professional. And you, you heard about, like, they want to be tough, to talk about work ethics, smart mm-hmm. football. Those are things we've asked for for how long now? We, I mean, we've always wanted to say, you know, if you play tough, smart, physical football, you're going to be okay. It's, you know, and that's what, that was the overlying theme for me. Well, I mean, was that your take, too, as well? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, from everything that McCagnan said about, you know, picking the players and sitting down with Bowles and actually having a team effort, you know, with, with the John Idzik Rex Ryan era, it always kind of felt like, and it was a forced marriage. Everything kind of felt forced when they were together and, and, and if they had to talk about the same things. Like, they didn't really seem eye to eye. And while McCagnan and Bowles don't know each other that well, as they stated today and admitted, um, it seems like they have a good repertoire together and they're willing to work together. And everything was about we and us and our philosophy and our team and how we're going, we are going to approach everything. So that was really refreshing to see after the last two years, which have been very chaotic and you really didn't know which philosophy we were following. You know, Isaac would do one thing, but then Rex would say another and coach the team another way. And, you know, and that's why it didn't work out. And that's why forced marriages never work out. But this seems to be a marriage that, you know, McCagnan, even though Bowles was really the only guy he interviewed, he seemed to get along with him. They seem to be like they'll work together well. I'm excited to see it because, you know, we need that stability in this organization. Every organization needs that stability if they're going to become a winning organization. Yeah, like I, I walked away from it, you know, impressed by just the the like you seem that they came off smart, they came off intelligent, they came off like prepared. And you know, you're not going to win games off a press conference. I understand that, but you can get fired from one, obviously with John Idzik. So, you know, I, I walked away impressed. I like the way they're talking. I like I like when you're talking about work ethic, dude. Work ethic is that means the things in the past were like Demario Davis and Muhammad Wilkerson. All these guys are saying, you know. Guys weren't watching film. Practice habits weren't good. You have a funny feeling that that is going to change, and it's going to change immediately under Todd Bowles. Yeah, they're going to weed those guys out, the guys whoever Davis and Wilkerson were referring to. I have a feeling that Bowles being a former player and you know just the way that he seems to like to want to run business and run this organization, I think those players will be weeded out in due time. It's going to be a tough yeah, physical doubt. team that pays attention to detail, and you know they're going to get at it. And, and the key word here, Joe, that I'm, I'm going to love to say over and over is accountability. And the thing yep. is, you have this feeling, everything you read about Todd Bowles from his players, from other coaches, is he holds his players accountable. And you have a funny feeling, even McCagney mentioned that a little bit too, where it was like, you know what, you know, everybody's going to earn their stuff. It's accountability on every level, from him to his scouts to the coaches to the players. And that's all you could ask for. I mean, if you, if you, you tell a player to do something, they're not doing it, make the change. If you do that, you foster an environment of winning, success. You know, it's a productive environment. And that's, I think, kind of – that kind of left under like kind of a, maybe a, a more laxed environment under Rex Ryan. Yeah, I mean, and, and as they both said today, they want to sit down together uh, – evaluate the 53-man roster, see what changes that have to be made, see what additions they want to make. And nobody was anointed. You know, Geno, uh, first question was about Geno Smith, and they didn't anoint him. You know, they said, you know, Todd Bowles said he was a great college quarterback, but we have to review the tape to see how he is. McCagnan basically said the same exact thing. So, you know, they're, they're not here to anoint anyone. Everybody's got to prove their worth to this organization now. And now's the time because if you slack off and if you're lackadaisical, and you're, doing, and you're not paying attention to the film and you're not producing on the field, you're going to be on the street. Now, you might end somewhere else, but you're not going to be here. So the, it's time for these players to really step up and shine this offseason. Otherwise, they're going to be looking for jobs. Yeah, no doubt. And with that, we'll go to phones. We've got some busy phone lines already early on. And this is a very good friend of ours who I know is going to have some strong takes on Bowles and McCagnan. What's up, man? This is Joe and Tyson with Let's Talk Jets. Yes, hello. This is Joe from Long Beach. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> good great, man. Yeah. How are you doing? All right. Um, was just wondering. Uh, I, I watched the conference, the press conference, and I was really kind of blown away about how many times their paths have crossed. That was something mm-hmm. that was really kind of weird to me. Uh, you know that they had 
been around each other multiple times and really didn't know each other and then, you know, kind of got to know each other within the, I believe it was the Redskins facility. So that was awesome too. I was also kind of blown away at how Todd spoke about the offensive side of the ball, about establishing the run game still. And he wasn't, yeah, you know, he, he knows you have to throw the ball all around, but he was all about establishing the run game and playing complementary football. I kind of wanted to get your, you guys thoughts about it. What do you guys think about it? Well, you know, it was interesting as well, and I think that, you know, coming off watching the Seattle Seahawks and Marshawn Lynch run the ball, I think opened some eyes for him. I mean, LeGarrette Blount scoring touchdowns like it was easy, you know. I think he knows where, in order to win in the NFL, you have to run the ball at some point. So I think he's mentioning that, and also I think he looked at his resources on this team where the Jets, you know, with Chris Ivory, and I'm guessing if even if C.J. Spiller comes here, I mean, I think he knows that you have the ability to run the ball. So I think he's trying to say the right things. But, I mean, everything that you see under Chan Gailey is that, who, I mean, as everybody knows at this point, has been announced the offensive coordinator, is he adapts his system to the personnel that they have. I mean, Panda, that, that's what I took, whereas they're looking at the roster saying, okay, in order for us to win now, we're going to adapt our offense to the players that we have. So you have guys like Chris Ivory in the backfield, let's maximize his, his, his talents. I mean, Panda, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, a guy like Chan Gailey, he has always adapted to the talent around him. Uh, he's been able to get the most out of quarterbacks, like Todd Bowles, you know, said in the presser today, whether it be Cordell Stewart, Ryan Fitzpatrick, or whoever the quarterback was at the time. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I agree with Joe um, with how the ironic how many times the pass they they cross paths, like in New Jersey. Just practicing, you know, mm-hmm. in 1978, 79, I believe they were referencing when Bowles was a junior and senior, and McCagney was there with his dad 50 yards away, and they were probably right there. I mean, it is funny how that, how that happened, but as far as an offensive philosophy and wanting to run the ball still, you know, I believe in that too. I believe you've got to run the ball to set up the pass. You can't just be, you know, all pass all the time. You see, even the Patriots, I mean, they got LeGarrette Blunt, they got Shane Vereen, they run the ball. You know, and, and like you said, Tyson, the defending champion and soon-to-be two-time defending champion Seahawks, I mean, they run the ball to set up the pass. That's what they do. And I think Bull saw that a lot in Seattle. And I think he also saw it in Arizona. I mean, Carson Palmer, while he actually did have one of his better years this year until he got hurt, Arizona's run game was pretty good. And, and for yeah. him to be able to you know, limit his mistakes, they had to run the football. And, that's what, and with a quarterback like Geno Smith or maybe a young rookie that comes in, whatever the situation may be, you're going to need to run the football to win. And when Chris Ivory is your best player on offense, which I believe he is right now, you've got to give him the ball. Yeah, yeah I, I, and that, I okay. Go ahead, Tyson. Okay, Joe. Go ahead, Joe. Okay, go ahead, good. Yeah, I I totally agree with with everything you said, Panda. As far as using Chris Ivory correct way and establishing the run to set up the pass, um, I'm just really I'm really excited to see where this is going to go. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that I love the idea of Chan Gailey as an offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. but I'm willing to definitely you know I'm a wait and see guy. I want to wait and see what he does. And, uh, you know, hopefully it works out and hopefully everything goes straight. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely excited about this, though. So, Joe, what do you think about the uh, the possible addition of Casey Rogers at defensive quarter? Nothing has been made official, but it seems yeah. like the, you know, over-prevailing thought is that eventually, sooner rather than later, Casey Rogers, former Miami, well, current Miami Dolphins defensive line coach since 2008, mm-hmm. will be Bowles' pick as defensive coordinator. What do you think about that as a possible move? I think it's actually a pretty solid move. Uh, they've had – he's coached some really pretty decent defensive linemen, uh, Cameron Wake. Uh, he's had a – Paul Soliai he had as well. He put that together as well. So I think that's a pretty decent addition. Um, everyone knows I dislike the Dolphins as much as anybody mm-hmm. else. So if we can get a guy in here that's going to uh, 
you know, upgrade and make solid moves as well. Because I, I believe even with Casey coming in, I, I think that Todd is still going to at least call the shots there anyway. So he's going to be the one calling the plays anyway. But I, I do think that that's definitely an upgrade, especially when you have a guy, you know, that just left our, our, our defensive line coach that was really, really good just left. So I, I think that we're we're in pretty solid shape getting Casey Rogers in here. Joe, do you think – what is your take on – you know, with, with with Gailey being on the offensive side of the ball, I I mean, I'll I'll explain later why I think it's a good hire. Now, do you have confidence with with Todd Bowles in terms of managing the defensive staff? Like Rex Ryan was calling the plays, doing all this, and he seemed to get engulfed in it. Like he was just so into the defense where he lost he lost what's going on in offense. Do you think, based on what Todd Bowles said today, that you have more confidence in him on the sidelines? Saying, you know, what this guy is not going to be a one you know one headed monster. He's going to understand what's going on with his entire team. I think again, that's that's kind of a wait and see thing. I do believe that he is a little bit or is more interested in the offense than Rex ever was. Um, I do think that bringing in Chan Gailey for him, and I mean, he said it during the press conference. That's a guy, you know, he already knows what he's doing over there. He's done it before. He can run the show over there. But I do think that Todd. One thing that Todd will do is he'll step in, or I think he'll step in if he sees something going wrong over there. And I think that that. And everyone knows that I love Rex, but I think that that was one of Rex's faults was when something wasn't necessarily going right all the time and Marty wasn't calling the correct plays to get the right personnel groups in there or he was just doing some weird stuff. Uh, Rex didn't really always come, you know, to the rescue and say, look, stop doing this. We're going to do it this way, you know, at at those moments when you needed it to be done earlier in our season when we could have really have, you know, made some moves and been in contention for different things. But I see Todd as being a guy that it is going to be a guy that will possibly step in and say, hey, look, this is what I'm going to do here. And he will be able to aid on the offensive side of the ball. But I, So I, I definitely do see that, you know, he won't be a one-headed monster. I agree. Joe, hang on one second, then we'll bring a couple callers and we'll get their takes on him, okay? Okay, thanks. Next up, we have Kyle calling in. And, Kyle, this is Joe. This is Panda and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? Hey, good. How are you? Doing good, man. What's on your mind? Uh, after watching the press conference today, well, listening to it because I had school early in the day, but um, I I was very pleased by the humbleness that uh, Todd Bowles brought. You know, not cocky or anything. It was good for a change to, to you know not be a headline, just like one of you guys said before, and. Uh, listening to Mike McCagnan, he sounds like a very smart guy, and I'm I'm happy about the pairing, and I think they're going to work well together. What do you think about their past relationship? Do you uh, or lack of their past relationship? Do you think that would cause any problems for this organization moving forward? Did Ward did what you said see today slash heard here today that make you feel a lot more comfortable? No, I, it made me feel more comfortable today from what I heard. I I feel like. There are two guys who are, have one goal, and that's winning. I feel like when Izzy came in, he was more worried about getting Rex fired because he didn't want him there, and it calls all the tension. So I think it's good that we got two guys in at once, and now they can just focus on one thing, and that's winning. Kyle, do you have any concerns about – I mean, I, like, listen, I, I respect both these guys, and we've wanted football guys to make football decisions, and we have that now, which to me is refreshing. But do you have any concerns about – two first-time guys learning the ropes at the same time. So you have McCagnan trying to establish his staff and kind of find his way, you know, getting his you know, staff in place, getting his draft board in place, doing all that. Meanwhile, he's got a coaching staff 
try to find their way as well. Are you concerned about the growing pains with this organization? I mean, yeah, a little bit, because, you know, you get tired of the whole rebuilding process and you just want to win now. But I guess we're going to have to wait. I know they're def- they're looking at Gene Smith to hire. as He's a former GM, so he could help McCagnan along the way. And they have Galley in there, who's also been a head coach, so we can help Bowles out a little bit. And I heard about their – I forgot who what the name was, but they're talking about bringing, like, assistant head coach maybe to help Bowles out in his first year so. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I think Gelly's going to try to help him out with that. There's a, a bunch of names. I mean, Panda, what's your take on that? Do you have any concerns? I mean, you, he's trying to put guys in place. I know he's got a lot of resources, McCagnan and Bowles both with the Parcells tree and Castling and all his other guys. Do you have any concerns with both two first-time guys as they try to work their way through the first season? Uh, I mean, not really. I mean, Every great GM or head coach, they got their start somewhere, and I'm not I'm not sitting here ready to anoint McCagnan and Bowles as the next you know great tandem that's going to win three Super Bowls or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but you know, yeah, I guess a little bit with the, with them both being rookies, that does you know make some people a little bit nervous. But like I said, everyone starts somewhere. Give these guys a chance, and, uh, you know, see what happens along the way. Yeah, no doubt. So, Kyle, what are you thinking going forward? Do you think, I mean, McCagnan said today he's going to be pretty aggressive, or he said he's going to be aggressive in free agency. Was that music to your ears or what? Uh, yeah, I loved it because I'm a huge fan of Antonio Camardi, and knowing that Bowles is here now, I really feel that he'll be back, and that's good to see. We'll finally we'll have, I mean, a lower tier, but he's still a shutdown corner, which is good, good to have in a blitzing defense. And hopefully we can find you know, maybe you know, one more. <laughs> You know, you know, it'll be good to have is it's finally it's it's finally a GM that listens to a head coach. When the head coach says, "Hey, I need corners," the GM actually gets him the corners. That's that's probably a pretty good start, no? Exactly. <laughs> Kyle, right, man, thanks for calling in, dude. We appreciate guys. it. Oh, oh, go ahead, okay. What is it? Uh, are you guys Nick Foles fans? What happened? Nick Foles? Yeah. From the Eagle, I, I am a Nick Foles fan. I mean, compared to what we have, I think Foles would be the best quarterback on this roster. Why do you ask? Um, because I, I was just watching NFL Network a couple minutes ago, and they brought up that, you know, Mariota and Chip Kelly having a connection, and they're saying Chip Kelly is willing to trade his whole draft, which would mean Nick Foles would be available via trade, and I think it would be cheaper if, that, if they got Mariota. Oh, you know, if, if they are willing to move up to get Mariota and they pull that trigger, that's definitely a phone call I would make. I mean, I saw a couple of people mention, you know, Kirk Cousins and Mike Glennon as other trade possibilities. Maybe look at that route. But you know what? If the Eagles were to pull that trigger, I would definitely look into Nick Foles because he's a better name to me than Glennon or Cousins. And and right now with Geno and Sims, you know, everybody I know loves Sims because he's the great white hype in the preseason and everything. But uh, it, when it comes to get on the field, he hasn't shown anything. He's Terry Conklin, so... You know, it is what it is. I'd love to get a guy like Nick Foles in here. Why not? Exactly. I mean, if we can't get Mariota, that's the that's right I go. I mean, I'm a huge Mariota fan, but if we can't get him, which is getting more and more unrealistic, I mean, I'll take Foles. Yeah, it's, Foles is definitely an option. Right. I mean, he's a guy that's he's being coached by the – he's got a, you know, a great coach in Chip Kelly. He's shown some flashes of, you know, being a – Productive quarterback and Panda, as you mentioned, I mean he's better than anything we have at this point. So the only the only issue with Foles would be if you trade for him is how much you're going to pay him. You know you got to give him a contract. What kind of contract terms are you giving him? You give him, you know like he's going to want starter money. I mean I mean what do you what are you going to offer Nick Foles in terms of a contract? 
Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I'm, I mean, he's still on a rookie three. deal. I mean, you could set, you could play it out for one season depending on the draft compensation. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you, you're gonna. Let him want. Yeah, that's a tough one. Especially if they if they trade up for Mariota, that's their guy, and they Foles is gonna be a backup, so he wouldn't be that expensive. Right. Yep, I mean that's definitely a name to add to the list, man. So as this as free agency plays out and all these teams start getting making making their moves, we'll figure out what happens. So, Kyle, once again, man, thank you for calling in. We always appreciate your insight, dude. All right, thank you. Thanks, guys. Um, we'll go to our next caller. We got some busy phones there. Awesome. What's up, man? This is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, dude? Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, no problem. What's on your mind? Going on. Not much. Um, you know, I listened to the press conference, and about an hour or two later, I wrote, my, I wrote an article uh, regarding five things that we could deduce from the press conference. And, uh, you know, the, the five things I wrote about was first that. Todd Bowles is going to bring a CEO approach to coaching. It's something that Rex Ryan lacked because um, during his tenure as coach, I feel like he was never able to evolve more than a glorified defensive coordinator. Uh, the second thing was that there's going to be an equal and synchronous relationship between McCagnan and Bowles. Um, when, during the postseason press conference uh, during Black Monday, Woody Johnson emphasized the relationship of a head coach and general manager. And I actually found it rather interesting that um, though Mike McKagan was announced the same day officially with Todd Bowles, he was already proceeding in interviews for Todd Bowles, which indicates that he was already hired a day or two before. So I just found it interesting that they did the press conference together, probably to harp on that relationship being um, mutual and of equal partnership. The next thing I noticed also was that there was a lack of commitment to Geno Smith, um, call it hyperbole, call it corporate lingo, but when the most positive thing about you is said that you're a great college quarterback, um, I really think they're noncommittal about Geno Smith being a starting quarterback. For the first time in a few years, we're going to have a legitimate starting quarterback competition during training camp. But the fourth thing I talked about was building through the draft. Um, the Jets, uh, McCagman, um stated that's ideally how he wants to build this organization um, and some and filling out the rest of the spots to three agency. The Jets, according to OverTheCaps.com, are going to have approximately $48 million in cap space of which 89% have to be used due to the 89% uh, rule. And even though this was Isaac's uh, philosophy as well, uh, he had no 20 years of scouting experience, and he presumably relied, uh, tremendously at least, on uh, ex-Jets executive Terry Bradway. And the last thing I noticed also was that players should be prepared for a massive culture change. Uh, Todd Bowles essentially articulated this. He said that the previous culture, while there was nothing wrong with it per se, it wasn't successful. So I feel like Bowles is definitely going to put the players in a position to succeed, but at the same juncture, they ha- are going to be responsible for succeeding other- or otherwise facing the consequences. And that was pretty much what I took away after the press conference, and I was really happy with what I heard from the, from the two men. Well, the first the first thing is, where's your article at? Did you send it to us? We can, we can, we'll retweet it if you want. Oh, I appreciate that. No, I, um, I'm not uh, – I don't – Write for a blog specifically. I'm just writing right now fan posts on uh, gang, on Gangry Nation. I'm just trying to get myself out there and to become perhaps a writer for a site at one point. Um, but I'll definitely send out my article to you guys on Twitter, and I appreciate that gesture very much. So, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, well, definitely. We always like anybody that writes good content has good opinions. We always retweet it and share it. I mean, you're always calling too. But to go through some of your points, and you made some really good ones. Is the first thing was I agree with you about the whole Geno Smith thing. No, the fact that nobody's getting handed anything anywhere to me is good. And see, the thing is, in the past, when Rex Ryan or even John Isaac said things, I don't think half of us believed them. 
it was just like Rex said, it, we all just rolled our eyes and shook our head because we knew better. And I think now these guys with their first impression have a chance to do actions speak louder than words. So it's like, is it going to be an open competition or we're going to bring in competition? If they do it and follow through with it, then you have a sense of accountability on the organization. You can't say open competition and then give the job to Geno Smith. You can't say open competition and then, you know, like not play Sanchez or play Tebow or do whatever nonsense you try to do. So, I mean, Panda, my first take was – in terms of accountability and competition, you know, you could say it, but now you got to back it up with words by saying, Geno Smith's not being handed anything. We're going to bring in whoever it may be, Foles, you know, Mallet, whoever it is, and you're going to fight mm-hmm. for your job, and everybody's going to earn the reps. And if that actually happens, then you have accountability, then you have competition, and then you have an organization going in the right direction. Yeah, no, and there is a way that Geno Smith could win the competition depending on who's in here, and if he is truly the best guy for the job, then, you know, great. But as Bowles and McCagnan said today, they didn't, they didn't hand him anything. You know, they said they have to evaluate him on tape, yada, yada, yada. That's all great. We'll see who's brought in. I mean, if it's Geno, Sims, and a rookie, honestly, it's probably going to end up being Geno. It, it may, maybe veteran comes in here, maybe, you know, Foles, Mary, uh, Mallet, Hoyer, whoever it may be. You would think they'd have the upper hand, but you don't really know. I mean, the good thing is is I really do believe in Bowles and McCagnan, but like you said, they've got to prove it. We'll see what happens this summer. There's a lot of work to be done. We'll see who they add and uh, let the chips fall where they may. But everything right now sounds great, but we'll see if it's you know still sounds great six months from now. Yeah, and the, the other thing, too, is I mean, you touched a lot of things, even with the draft, things like that. I mean, it's just – you, you have a sense of a little bit more confidence. I mean, right now we're all excited because it's new voices, it's a new vision, it's a new era, all mm-hmm. that, and we're excited. But the fact that you have a guy with 20 years of scout, a scouting background, he comes off intelligent, he knows what he's doing, he's got a hard work ethic. And, and Joe, everywhere you read, you hear that this guy is like, he's like a, 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 a football junkie. He lives and breathes right. his sport. He's at every event. How could you not like that? I mean, just your initial impression is a positive one. Oh, 100%. I mean, McCagnan, he seems like, exactly like you said, a total football junkie, sits probably sitting in the room watching film 15, 16 hours a day, scouting, doing all that. And that's great. That's exactly what you need as a general manager. This guy is a football guy who's around football people watching football. He's not sitting up there crunching numbers. Well, you know, you do need someone like that. You don't want to just, you know, spend free willy-nilly. I'm sure they'll have people in the organization that will help him out with that. But bottom line, to me, you want your general manager to be football first, and we finally have that again. No more accountants. We actually have a football guy leading the way. Now, whether or not he makes the right decisions, that remains to be seen. But it was a chance and a risk worth taking. Now, Seth, do you have any, do you have any concerns? We asked the previous caller, this Kyle, this too. Is, do you have concerns about so many new pieces trying to do so many new things where you have, you know, McHagan is going to try to, you know, he's, he's a first-time GM. He, you know, he's got to have to go through the whole contract negotiation thing. He's got to fill out his staff. While he's got to put together his draft board, do that. Meanwhile, he's got to worry about his new coach who's developing his staff. Do you have any concerns about all these guys learning on the job? Do you, do you feel there's going to be any kind of learning curve and maybe some kind of painful, like, growing pains? I mean, there's some concern, but, you know, I think the aim entering into this process was to hire the two best possible candidates. And if that just happens to be two uh, individuals individuals with no experience in the position, then so be it. So, I mean, I'm slightly worried about it, but I'm just glad that the Jets got the two men they seemingly wanted the most, that they can work in harmony together. They both have a clear, precise plan and, uh, you know, we have to be patient because let's be honest, this is not a one-year fix in my opinion. You're looking at a two- to three-year fix because there are so many gaping holes on the roster and we don't have a quarterback yet. Without the quarterback being solidified, there's no way this team can be successful. So 
Um, a little worried, but at the same juncture, I realize that this is not a quick fix. I'm going to be patient. I think Jeff Van should be patient, allow them two to three years to turn this team around. And I think if and when we find the quarterback within two to three years, I think then uh, we can really start judging the tenure of these two men. No, Would you like I, the move I, I of Chan? Okay, Joe. I'm oh, sorry. I was going to ask Seth. How did you feel about the uh, addition of Chan Gailey? Do you think he was the right man for the job? I like Gailey because he's very flexible with his offensive system. He doesn't really have a one-set system, and he's also capable of getting the most out of under, well, let's just say not the best players. Um, you know, he did get Ryan Fitzpatrick a $60 million contract. He played a rather, uh, rather well under him. And it's also good to have someone with immense experience. I know when people first heard Chang Gilly, they were scared away because he wasn't a successful head coach for any means. But there's a big difference between being a bad head coach and being a successful and a positive and bright coordinator. And I think that's right. Gailey's niche. He's a good, solid, experienced, reliable offensive coordinator. So was it the home run hire? No. But you know what? Sometimes the safe hire might be the better hire, especially when you have a rookie head coach. Now, I, I guess I have a, another take on this. And I actually, and as Panda's been very, very forthcoming at telling everybody about this, is that I, I like the Chan Gailey hire for two reasons. Loves it. I like Loves the fact it. that he. I do. I don't love it. I, I think. I think we could have did worse, and we could have done better. You really have a Chan Gailey T-shirt, Tyson? I've seen it. Come on. You know what it is? I've already contacted the Fire John Idzik guys to make me some T-shirts <laughs> to sell out to everybody. But uh, and Chan, we no, trust. I, I think, <laughs> I, I think I like it for a couple of reasons. The first thing is he's a veteran presence on the sideline who Todd Bowles can lean on just for a variety of things other than just coaching. I mean, managing timeouts, rule changes, things like that, that there's so many things going on on the sideline. He could be just a, a, an ear for Todd Bowles, which I think is a huge asset. And the other thing, too, is everywhere you read with Chan, Chan Gailey is he maximizes talent. And that seems to be the theme with Bowles and Gailey is Bowles, you know, he adapts his, his system to his players. Chan Gailey, he takes what he has and he, he tries to maximize it. I mean, he, he won, or he was productive with what? Cordell, Steel, uh, Cordell Stewart, Jay Fiedler, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, and Bill Cowher raves about him. So I don't right. think it's a terrible hire. I think you, you can justify making it. I think it's, I mean, it all remains to be seen. I mean, I remember when Tony yeah. Sperano was here and people raved about that decision and we see where that went. So, you know, no, I, mean, Seth, I think I. Go ahead. <laughs> No, I was going to say, it's not a terrible hire at all. I, I'm not, you know, jumping through hoops for it, but I think it is, it is a good move. And like you said, he's a guy who maximizes the lowest talent on the roster. Well, you know what? Over the last three years, three, four years with our team, we haven't even been able to maximize the best talent on the roster. I mean, we haven't had a 1,000-yard receiver in I don't know how long. Maybe Gailey can get here and make something out of Percy Harvin if he's still around. Who knows? I mean, it would be, it would be nice to have somebody who can maximize talent for a change. Yeah, no doubt. I, I agree. I mean, it's it's you know it's just it's talking about ad, you know not force feeding systems, getting the most out of your players, and in this day and age, especially with injuries now and everything else, you have to be able to adapt. So if our coaching staff can do that, which it seems based on their history they do do that, I think they're heading in the right direction. I mean, what do you think, Seth? Absolutely, and like I said earlier, I'm just gonna I'm gonna stress patience because this is a rebuilding job. I understand in the NFL you can. Uh, gained multiple wins from the previous seasons, but without an established quarterback and without an established secondary, which I find to be the two most important things right now in the NFL, uh, the Jets simply aren't going to win many games. So I'm excited by the two candidates. They're both well-qualified. They're both well-respected in their respective positions. Um, but I just want to uh, emphasize patience, and I'm actually looking forward to what can be built here. And I really, the, the move that really signified change to me was getting rid of Terry Bradway and Jeff Bauer they survived 
two regime changes, which is incredibly rare in the NFL for two prominent executives to last that long. And I thought maybe Woody was influencing GMs to keep them or forcing them to keep them. So I was really glad to see that they were let go. They're not bad people. They're not bad executives. But the scouting department has failed miserably the past couple of years, and it was a dire change that was required. So that move right there really solidified how positive I am about the hire of McCagnan and Bulls. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when that when that news came out, I think half a Jets Nation celebrated. The other one started drinking. So I think it was uh, it was an excellent, excellent day. <laughs> so Seth, once again, thanks for calling in. Um, we will definitely tweet out your link. And if you ever have information you want to share to everybody, we'll definitely help you spread the word, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful night, guys. You too. You too. Take care, man. Uh, and with that being said, we're gonna bring back on Joe from Long Beach. We touched on a couple things that I know he wants to talk about, and Joe. We talked about um, you know, the hiring of Chan Gailey, and, and it, most of it is about maximizing talent. I mean, you heard from Bowles, he, like, he adapts the system. Chan Gailey adapts the system. And I think he's a valuable resource just for being, you know, helping out with rules changes, timeouts, you know, game management. I mean, do you think that's a huge asset for Todd Bowles? I think it is a huge asset for Todd. Um, I totally agree with that as well, that, you know, he's an asset for him to – go to for different things, uh, you know, just issues with, you know, just being a new head coach. Uh, with As far as Chan Gailey maximizing talent and things like that, I mean, like, it all sounds great, but I, I heard some of the same things about Marty Morniwig. I heard some of the same things about Tony Sperano, you know, when they first came in here. So, like I said, with Chan Gailey, I'm still a wait-and-see type of guy with him. Um, I, I don't think he's the worst offensive coordinator in the world. I, th- I think we could have did a lot worse. Um, than Chan Gailey. But, I, you know, he's he's a guy, like I said again, uh, is a wait-and-see guy. But I do think he's a perfect pairing uh, almost pretty much in this situation for uh, Todd Bowles. Yeah, and the thing is, like, and I agree with you. Listen, I mean, all these – I mean, we, like, we're all kind of playing, like, Monday morning quarterback with a lot of this stuff because everything remains to be seen. I mean, we're saying these guys are coming off smart and we're, we're praising them, but we could be a bunch of clueless clowns that fumble the ball and commit 8,000 penalties a game. We don't know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But he, I, I think I, I could – go ahead. You know, Tyson, you love Chan Gailey like I love Salim McKeem. I really – I'm seeing I'm seeing hearts in your eyes for that guy. I see what's going on He's got the T-shirt you're, you're, right, Joe. I, I've seen it. <laughs> wait, wait till the. It's only a matter of time for the fire it's the guys jump aboard. We're gonna have we're gonna have Chan Gailey shirts. We're gonna have Let's Talk Jet shirts sponsored by the Chan Gailey Group. <laughs> with Gailey Gang hats. <laughs> Gailey Gang, and we're gonna be instead of J E T S, we're gonna be C H A N Chan Chan Chan. Tyson's gonna be leading the Chan on my shoulders. I can't wait. <laughs> But, but you know what, though? It's just you could you could justify the hire. I mean, if, if anything, I start having concerns when they mention guys like Gene Smith in the front office where you look at his history. I mean, his his resume in Jacksonville is a complete disaster. But, I mean, it's, you know. You don't I, want to I, take I, a punter in the third round, Tyson? Come on. Take heavy as bad as Mike Nugent. Mike, Mike Nugent. Oh, <laughs> come on now. Let's not bash on the Nuge. Hey. He's a free agent this year, Tyson. I'm going to be driving him to Florham Park. Oh, Jesus. So Joe, Joe from Long Beach. The other question I had, the other yeah. question I had for you was, you know, the um, just the uncertainty around. I mean, all these guys as first time guys. Is the, do you have concerns about them being in over their head just because there's too much responsibility and too much transition in the first year? Absolutely not. Um, because I, I just figured that this is the only way that we could possibly go. If we interviewed these guys and these are the best guys out there, 
and they're the most qualified guys out there. You get them in here. Um, you know, I, I think that none of them are really too – I don't believe that any of them are, would be too far over the head. Um, as we said for Todd Bowles, there's a failsafe. you got Chan Gailey. Uh, he's a guy that's been a head coach in this league. He can help Todd with anything that, you know, gets murky there in that situation. When you look at McCagnan, you know, he's been a he's been a scout before. He knows how to get guys in here. I'm, I'm very like, – like, he's worked at every single level as far as that, you know, that front office process and being a scout. He's worked with GMs. He's done different things. So he's seen the free agency process. He's already talked about being aggressive in free agency as well. So he's seen different things. It's not like – this is brand new, like it was with John Isaac as far as scouting. He had no scouting background. He had none of that stuff going on. So when you put him in front of a draft board, it was like, you know, giving a, a, four, a four-year-old kid, you know, an algebra book. He had no clue what he was doing. Um, he was just, you know, the guy that got the coffee for the guy that got the coffee. But, you know, uh, exactly. McCagnan, I, I think, will work out as well. I, I think these guys, even though they're new guys, they bring fresh perspective. I don't think just being a new guy is – you know, you're going to make mistakes just like everyone else makes mistakes. But bringing a fresh perspective and being about business, as we've seen through that, that press conference, these guys are astute. They, they don't sound stupid. <laughs> they know what they're doing. So let's just, you know, give them their run and see how it goes. Yeah, but see, now the other but the concern I have is this. I mean, listen, I, I respect their intelligence, what they're telling us, everything else. And it's interesting when he said we're going to be aggressive in free agency, which is what we all wanted because we wanted Isaac last year to be more aggressive than he was. You know, and he he tried to approach it didn't work. But now it's like, okay, this is the first time GM loaded with forty five million dollars in cap space and a top ten pick. You know, if this guy makes foolish mistakes in his first year, that could set you back a couple years. You don't have any concerns about him overpaying for free agents or panicking or anything like that. Like not panicking in terms of like, you know, reaching out for a Des Bryant paying a five hundred million dollars, but panicking where he's mm-hmm. like, Okay, I'll give you an extra year for seven million. Do you have any fears of that? No, because he's a guy that can rely on his scouting background to get around that. Usually when people overpay people like John Isaac was doing, he would overpay them because he had no scouting background. So he didn't know that there was other talent on that other side of that fence. He didn't know that because he didn't know how to scout. So a lot of those free agent guys that he was leaning on, that's why he leaned on them. I think when, when at least my take on McCagney is when he said we're going to be aggressive, that means he's going to go into free agency 100 miles an hour, he's going to look at guys, he's going to see who's the best fit for his team, and he's going to make those moves. And he's not going to wait like John Isaac did. John Isaac wasn't that, – that was John's problem in free agency as well, that he was so slow to get things done. Um, so being aggressive doesn't – I don't believe it means he's going to overpay for people. I just think it means that he's going to get the right guy in here and he's going to make moves to make this team better. What do you think, Panda? Yeah, no, I mean, he even said he's going to be aggressive, but he's going to be aggressive in the right ways. You know, you don't mm-hmm. want to just throw money around and throw it at everybody and add, you know, 48 players. But, you know, kind of look at the Green Bay Packers. Most of what they do is through the draft. That's kind of the philosophy that you want to do. You want to make most of your, you know, most of your roster you want to do through the draft. But at the same time, you can find those impact player, the impact players, those special players, that's who you want to target, and you're going to be aggressive after them. I don't think McCagney's saying, you know, I'm going to go over there and spend $40 million, and we're just going to have, you know, party, and it's going to be nuts. I don't think he's going to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about him spent overspending at all either. Um, you know, he's a smart guy. He's been around the league for, what, 25 years? Uh, I'm pretty sure he knows what he's doing. Uh, this is why he got this job. You know, he's gonna, there's going to be some learning curves. I'm sure there will be a couple of signings that he makes where two years from now we're slamming our heads into the wall saying, what the hell was he thinking? But at the same time, he might come away with ten very solid signings. So 
Give him time. We're going to see what happens. I'm not worried about him overspending. It's just a good, aggressive approach to have. You have to go aggressive into free agency right now because, you know, as everybody has said, and we've acknowledged before on the show, there are a ton of holes on this team, and this is a rebuilding process. And as much as you want to do it all through the draft, you, you, just, you just can't. Not in today's NFL. You can't. You've got to have to add some free agents somewhere across the line. And if you find somebody you really, really like, go aggressive after them and get them here. No, no, fair enough. And hey, Joe from Long Beach, hang on one second. We're gonna go over a call. I got, a, I got a call about a, a, a question about you for uh, for the roster. So hang on one second, man. Okay. All right. Awesome. And we, it's we gonna have, be we got a special machine, call on the line here because this, this this guy, this guy is Mr. Twitter. If there's a Jets Twitter going on, this guy is always actively involved, sharing his very strong opinions. Hans, it's Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? How we doing, guys? It's great to be here. Going on. I saw that you were the first question today. The Bulls, huh? The li- the latest Jets Twitter celebrity. Yep. That's there you right. go. That's you. <laughs> that that was, I'll tell you what that that was that was really humbling, and uh, that's actually where I wanted to start. Um, for anyone who didn't happen to uh, catch the press conference or hasn't uh, given it a watch yet on NewYorkJets.com because it is up right now, um, I did uh, what I asked was uh, how. Todd Bowles felt his uh, experience as a player helped him in his ascension as head coach of the Jets. And I feel that the way that he had answered that question, I, I, I felt really good about it. I feel it, it really helped set the tone for the press conference for him because he talked about how playing, being a player himself helps him identify more with the players than, than if right. you just had like a career coach, like a, basically what Marty – what a Marty Morningweight would do, or a Bill Parcells, or someone mm-hmm. along that lines. So I, it, and he mentioned something about being uh, about a, uh, make helping him come across more like a big brother rather than a coach. And I, and I just feel that was really, um, I, I felt that was really encouraging. And I, yeah, I, no, I, I walked away really impressed with the, with the press conference in general. You know, I was as well, and I agree with you. I thought that was a great point that he made about being a big brother, not so much as a coach. And, you know, he can relate to the players. And I think we're seeing that with some of the hires that he's made. I mean, Casey Rogers, I know that's not official. He did spend a little bit of time in the league as a player, not much. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, who was just hired as the tight ends coach, who was the tight ends coach in Minnesota from 2006 to 2013, he was a player in the league, actually played with Bowles on the Redskins for three years. I think you're going to see a lot of former players on this staff uh, and that's good because they'll be able to relate to the players, like you mentioned, like Bowles mentioned earlier today. But Hans, what did you feel? How do you feel about the combination of uh, Bowles and McCagnan moving forward? Do you think their lack of relationship, you know, they've only known each other for a week, is something that's troubling, troublesome? Or do you really, after seeing the press conference today and seeing them speak together for 45 minutes, do you think, do you sense, you know, that they're getting it together and they're going to be a good duo? Well, let's be honest. How often do you have a head coach and a GM combo where they've known each other for X amount of years? How often right. do you have that kind of a situation come up? Ultimate, ultimately, I've, the, the, the vibes that I got from the press conference, it, it really seems like that they get along. I mean, it might be easy for us to say that because we also said that about Rex and Idzik as well, and we know mm-hmm. how that turned out. But this time it just feels different. It, it just, it just, it comes across as more genuine. 
Yeah, I think Rex and Idzik, that was an arranged marriage. I wasn't ever a fan of that. I, to me, if you're going to change a regime, you have to change it from top to bottom. The GM and the head coach both need to go. So that's why I never liked the Idzik move, and they never seem to get along. I saw more continuity between these two today than I saw between Rex Ryan and John Idzik in two years. I, I, I do have to agree with that point. I, I, and I really, I, really wanted the, I really wanted the marriage to work out, and I think all of us wanted it to work out. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it just didn't. And I think we're all going to be better off for uh, moving in the directions that we did. Though I am very disappointed that we uh, lost out on, on Lynn and Coach Dunbar, who were two of my favorites on that staff. The only ones that were worth their weight in, uh, in gold on that staff. Um, I'm sure that we're going to uh, pick up some good hires in their place. And, I, and I'm hoping for a, a good positive direction. Yeah, and Hans, I agree with you. And there's so many good things to take out of this press conference, and I tend to agree with your the genuine feel of things. It's like you seem like you know, like Todd Bowles seems like a guy that holds guys accountable. He's genuine. He's real. And like every interview you see with him, he's like, you just be honest with your players. If you're not playing up to par, you tell them that. Like, there's no secrets. There's no hidden agendas. And like, without a hidden agenda, you get respect. And the locker room knows. Listen, you play your part, you play. If you don't play your part, you're on the sideline. And like that, that sense of accountability is like, and if you've listened to the show for the last year, I mean, I've been screaming about yeah. accountability. It's all blue. Yeah. It seems like it's finally here. And even the players in Arizona all said that. They're like, they like him because he's fair. It's not like when you have like Gino and Sanchez, you know it wasn't fair. But, you know, a lot no. of things weren't no. fair where guys were playing based on their name or reputation. Absolutely. And uh, it, it, it honestly is a, 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 a nice breath of fresh air after – six years of dealing with this. I mean, uh, it, it, it worked in the first two years, but after, after that third year ended, it was just, it was getting more stale and more stale as time went on. So it, it, it's nice to have accountability. It's also nice to hear when a coach is willing to be adaptive and mold around what he has. Cause I mean, I'm sure one or, one or both of you guys heard on uh, 98, 98.7 FM uh, ESPN. He said that he is going to be running more of a base three, four, but there's also going to be some four, three and some alt- other multiple fronts as well. And he's, he's really not married to one specific thing or w- one specific idea. In fact, you can even go back to this past season where uh, you, you know, he ran a three, four in, uh, in um, Arizona primarily, but against the Cowboys, they were running more of a base four three, so. No, I I agree. I agree with you. I think whenever you hear about coaches that are willing to adapt based on personnel, based on issues that they're facing, whether it's injuries, you know, flaws in the system, whatever it is, that's the way you win in the NFL. And I mean, the, the going joke, I mean, with me and Joe, this whole season was here comes the halftime adjustments. Cause you know what they were? They were nothing. So now yeah. you have a feeling that this coaching staff is going to understand, recognize, listen. You know, we're getting, we're, you know, we've got to go more man coverage. We've got we to gotta run the ball more. we got to do – it seems like this initially that this coaching staff is going to realize, listen, we're recognizing our mistakes. We make halftime adjustments, which, Panda, I know for me and you, dude, that was something that just continuously pissed us off. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it seemed like, if anything, at halftime, we got worse. We didn't even get better. We didn't stay stagnant. We got worse. There was nothing done. They'd, they'd make their plan throughout the week, and if it worked throughout the game, great. And if it didn't, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And you know what? Maybe with Bowles and other former players on the staff, maybe that's what they need. You know, guys who actually have played the game, they understand, all right, this isn't working. Scrap the, scrap the plan we worked on for six days. It is what it is. We've got to find a way to win, make the adjustments. Let's go get them in the second half. That will be great to see. No doubt. Hans, man, before we let you go, give everybody your Twitter handle because you're a must-follow because you, you always share strong opinions, man. It is at Look It's Hans, and I, would, and I am always more than willing to talk Jets with just about anybody, though there is the occasional person that does get under my skin, but you'll always get <laughs> those people. And as far as Todd Bowles is concerned, you know that you always have a uh, – you know that there's always been uh, – coaches who've been players in the past sometimes it's worked where you have your Jason Garrett sometimes it hasn't those are the Mike Singletary's of the world let's hope ours is more like the Jason Garrett and less like the Mike Singletary (laughs) can't win with him can't do it (laughs) have a good night Hans you as well guys thank you very much take it easy Got some very busy phone lines here, so we're gonna bring back on Joe from Long Beach real quick. I, Joe, I, I got a question for you, and it's we're getting a lot of questions about you know where do the Jets go from here. And one of the things that stuck mm-hmm. out to me in the press conference today was where you know Todd Bowles made it very obvious that listen, I need corners in my defense, and it, it's like it, it's like it, it's out there. Like there's no there's no secret here. Like this is what we need. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. for me, it's like that was refreshing to hear. And it, you almost know that between him and McCagnan. They're going to address that, don't you think? Yes. I, I believe how they rebuilt the secondary is paramount, man. Our corners are trash. <laughs> we need to go out there and search the, every single corner of the world to get some guys in here that are going to fit in your scheme, they are going to be able to play and, and get the job done out there. I, I really believe that that is one huge hole in our team that just you cannot go into the season with it looking the way it does. So, uh, they, they've got to get that together, and I think that that's where McCagney's scouting background is going to come in. He's, he's going to be able to get some guys in there, and, and Bowles, his coaching is also going to be put to the test as well. Uh, let's see if he can take guys that aren't as great as, you know, Cromartie or Patrick Peterson, like guys he's had in Arizona, and let's see if he can coach some guys up and, uh, you know, get them to play decently within his scheme. But that, that is extremely important to get some corners in here. Yeah, and I think that's where, you know, the chemistry, like Joe mentioned the chemistry, Hans mentioned it, the chemistry between McCagnan and Bowles is vital. I mean, you can't have two guys with two different agendas trying to save their jobs or try, like, even like how Panda mentioned before, like when you inherit a general manager, you inherit a coach, there's always, there's always that crossing. There's always a, a fine line somewhere where they're going to be like, you know what, this is my job, this is your job. It seems like this initial chemistry here is vital for the success, and it seems like it's there. I mean, what do you think, Panda? I mean, I think it's that came off to me pretty clear, like in this press conference. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to have to have a strong chemistry together. They definitely came off strong. They're going to want to work together. Like I said before, it was a lot of R and we and together, you know. Mm-hmm. Those words were really emphasized throughout the press conference, and that's great to see because, like, you know, I said before, we all said before, the last two years, it just wasn't there. It just wasn't there. You could tell there was two different philosophies, two different agendas going on. Now it's one, it's one single agenda. Two guys, their first job, first GM job for McCagnan, first head coaching job for Bulls. Two guys who have longed 
to be in the positions they're in, striving, working hard to build a winning organization together. Will it work out? We don't know. But right now, everything sounds good. Everything looks good. And you've got to be very hopeful right now if you're a Jet fan. No, I, I agree. And the other thing, I mean, and, and Joe from Long Beach, the other thing is, like, we're getting a bunch of tweets, like, what's the next step? And, I mean, Hans tweeted me the same thing. It's like, for me, it's like, I'm, to me, the obvious thing is the secondary because the secondary is an unknown all the way around. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, there's no guarantees anywhere. You, you're hoping Calvin Pryor emerges. You're hoping Dexter McDougal can play healthy. You hope Miller can get healthy. Hope is nothing in the NFL. You need to guys, have guys on the field. And I, I guess after that, you've got to look at locking up Wilkerson. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, you, I mean, that's got to be a priority at this point, don't you think, Joe, or no? Absolutely. You've got to lock up Wilson, Wilkerson. There's no way you can, you know, give him an out to get out of here. Um, you've also got to look at our linebacking situation um, yep. and try to patch that together, figure out what you're going to do with David Harris, mm-hmm. um, you know, figure <laughs> out, yeah, then you go offensive line. I think the quarterback position, I know people, hey, let's get a guy in here, let's get Mario, let's get this. Listen, that quarterback position is something I don't think we're going to be able to solve this year. That's my personal opinion. Um, I've talked about Winston a thousand times. I've talked about Mariota a thousand times on here. Um, I think we probably end up with a veteran or, like I said before, you never know, Jay Cutler uh, could be a Jet next year. You never know what's going to happen with him as well. So, But I think you definitely got to look at – the secondary, you've definitely got to get Wilkerson done. You've definitely got to look at the linebacker position, and you have to fix this crap offensive line as well. Well, when it comes to the secondary, free agent-wise, Joe, are there any names that interest you out there? I mean, I see Brandon Flowers might be available. Uh, yeah. Obviously, everyone mentions Antonio Cromartie because, you know, he was with Bowles last year, and, you know, maybe that's something you look at too. Byron Maxwell is a name out there. How about any name that you would really say the top of your list guy that you would like to see brought in here at corner? Because we know one of those cornerback spots, whether somebody likes it or not, if he's healthy, is going to be manned by D. Milner. The other no, one, yeah. the other one, that's a huge question mark. Could be McDougal, could be Walls, could be Tyson. I mean, I don't know. But <laughs> what about a free agent name? What, what's, a, what's a name that you would look at to bring in here? Who would be your number one guy? The, the name that you mentioned uh... – the second Tyson? guy you talked about, uh, Cromart. <laughs> not Tyson, not Tyson. Uh, Cromarty uh, was a guy that I'm definitely interested in bringing back here. I don't think we should have got a rid of him uh, the first time. Uh, he's a guy, you know, we know what we're going to get out of him. He's already been here. Uh, he's, already, he's already been in, in bowls as a scheme as well, so he already knows, you know, the plays and what to expect. Um, you know, long-range guy, not a press corner, uh, but he's a physical, you know, just a beast. He can run with the best of them. Uh, you know, still a guy that's athletic enough to play the position even at his age. So, And I think we can get him for a, a pretty decent deal. I don't think he's a guy you have to overpay for at this point. So, uh, yeah, Cromartie is definitely a guy that I, that's on the top of my list to bring in here because we've got to address that. And and I do agree with you, Panda. Uh, whether we like it or not, I do think that D. Milner is going to have that other corner spot, whether we like it or not. Now, how long he's healthy and <laughs> how long he actually plays in that corner spot is is another thing, but I definitely do oh, think yeah. he's going to have that spot. And I already know how to fix the offensive line situation, Joe. Tyson, get ready oh, for I, this. Here's oh, what no. we do. We bring back Vladimir Dukas. We bring oh. we bring him back. Give him the keys to the organization. <laughs> bring him back. Vlad Dukas, the great man, the great Mike Tenenbaum pick, Vladimir Dukas. No, I'm just kidding. You know, Joe, I'm just you know, kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I'm, if you look at offensive linemen, 
Mike IU Potty, man. Mike IU Potty's going to be a free agent. You want to throw some money around, throw some money at that big boy over in San Francisco. Take him. I'll take him any day of the week. Bring in Mike Potty. That's my number one free agent, actually. You know, you know, it's funny because if you if you think about like the, the teams what they need, and we're getting plenty of tweets about this. It's you know, for me, honestly, the secondary is a disaster, but the offensive line has got to be a, a huge priority because if you want to stick to that the running game to protect a young quarterback or an average quarterback, it all, your foundation is your offensive line. So if you want to throw yep. money at that offensive line, I have absolutely no problem with that. Mike, if you I want to throw money at the second. No, I agree. And but the thing is, it's funny because last the last two seasons of doing this radio show, you know, it was Joe, it was either one of you guys. We always talked about we had faith in Rex Fryan and Dennis Thurman. Is you know they're defensive coaches, they're geniuses, they get the most out of their players. You know, it's curious because if you look at the secondary players or look at the guys in general on defense, how many improved other than defensive line? Nobody in the secondary. The linebackers, okay, Demario Davis maybe. So now it's like, yep. do you have faith in? Casey Rogers and Todd Bowles to get the most out of Dean Milner or Dexter McDougal. Do you have? I mean, do you have? I mean, I'll ask Joe from Long Beach first. Do you have that faith in Todd Bowles saying, you know, this guy is about accountability. He seems like he's very well respected. Will he maximize the talents of a Dean Milner and a Calvin Pryor? What do, what do you think? Uh, I, I do. I do think that Todd Bowles is going to be able to because he's worked with, you know, a little. Uh, guys that weren't super talented out there in Arizona. I do disagree that there are. I, I do believe that there was a guy in Williams a guy that did improve within our scheme uh, defensively out there in our secondary. I mean, he's not a world beat. He's not great, but he played pretty darn uh, solid out there at that corner position. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, he, he was pretty decent out there for a guy we just got off the street. Uh, but I do think that Todd Bowles and Casey Rogers are going to be able to get the most out of guys that aren't as talented as your top, you know, a Revis or anything like that. He's going to be able to scheme some guys up. Because there were a lot of things that I saw in Arizona that he did, you know, that were – that that did cover up a lot of guys' inefficiencies, and he definitely put a lot of guys in the right position to make plays. Yeah, I mean, he, what he do you had think, a solid. Se- hey, Bowles had a solid secondary out there in Arizona with Peterson, Cromartie, Honey Badger. But you know, there were times that he was out. Uh, players in that system yeah. were out, and like Joe said, you know, some guys that we didn't really know the names of rose to the level there. But as far as you know, you can't say it's going to be a definite thing either. You know, I like Bowles too. I think that. You know, right now I'm confident in him. You know, he's the new head coach. We don't really have anything negative to say right now. So, But, you know, Dennis Thurman was a former defensive backs coach too. He was a former defensive back in the pros as well. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, it's not a given that they're going to get the best out of it. It's kind of like we hope, we hope. You know, you sit there, you mm-hmm. sit back, you hope that you get the best out of it. But there's no guarantees. But right now, yeah, we're liking everything that he's saying. But, uh, you know, Todd Bowles isn't Vince Lombardi quite just yet. No, I, I agree, but I think it's just, you know, we always gave praise for Rex. And I, you know, that's a good call with Marcus Williams. I definitely agree about that. But we gave Rex mm-hmm. so much praise, and his defensive schemes were phenomenal, and he a lot of smoke and mirrors and, and all this stuff. But it's like, you know, you wanted to see more development out of certain players. Just because you said Demario Davis was like Ray Lewis, he never, you know, like you, you made, he, he talked so much about the players, and the expectations never lived up to him. So now mm-hmm. I think that, you know, Todd Bowles is going to keep things real. He's not going to throw out ridiculous, you know, compliments about players that they're never going to live up to. But maybe he will maximize the talent of some of these guys that, you know, like you know, Calvin Pryor, maybe even a Quentin Copels. And, and that was my question for you, Joe from Long Beach, uh. was the next guy is Quentin Copels. I mean, I mean, Panda hates him and would have traded him two years ago. But do you think uh-huh. Todd Bowles can get anything out of Copels? No. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if anyone can get anything out of Copels. Uh, we, we talked about him earlier in the preseason, and I was – 
I told you guys to have some businesses on. And I told you guys I didn't think the Copals would have necessarily a great year. I didn't think he was going to have a big year, and it kind of showed out that way. I think he's a guy that really just lacks a motor. I don't think that he steps on that field with, with much intensity. When you're getting beat out by a guy like Jason Babin, you know, a journeyman guy who's coming in, he's taking your spot, he's making more plays than you on this field, and you've been here for however long and you can't figure out certain things in the scheme, I don't know. Does he fit in Bowles' defense? Yeah, possibly if he gets it together and decides that he wants to play. I think that a lot of things that's going on with Quentin Copels is on with Quentin Copels. If Quentin comes out there and has a motor and is in shape and wants to play, then, yeah, he has a shot. But I, 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 don't, think that he, I don't think he's going to be here much longer. I really don't. Panda? Oh, come on, please. Trade him now. Trade him now. You know what? He's young. He doesn't make that much money. Get rid of him. The guy is a total bum. I'm tired of talking about him. He's always had a terrible motor. He has a terrible motor now. He has one good game. Everyone gets all excited about it. And then all of a sudden, three weeks later, I'm like, where's Queen Copel's been? For all I know, he's been bagging groceries at ShopRite. I have no idea. You know, just, you know what? You could probably get a decent draft pick for him, maybe a four or five, something like that. You know, I don't know. Get rid of him. He doesn't fit the system. Please, just get Quentin Copels out of here. He can get something for him. And again, and then my next question for this, and I was peppering you guys with questions because like so many things come up in this press conference. And what I like the most is that they didn't really share too much. It was very professional. No, no lofty expectations. Just about you know, doing research, doing their due diligence, things like that. And it's just, you know, the quarterback position is interesting. It seems like everybody is willing to say, you know what, we may not have our quarterback next year either. Now, the way these guys came off today, especially McCagnan, if, say we draft a Mariota, just for example, we draft him, or a young quarterback, and our starter is Geno, and he struggles over the first five, six games, and the media and the fan base is like, play Mariota, play Mariota, do you think these two guys as a team will have the ability to say, listen, Gino's our guy for now. Mariota's not ready, and that's what we're – do you think they'll have the, the ability and the power to say, listen, we're not playing until he's ready to play. That's it. Do you think they can do that? I'll start with Joe from Long Beach. Yes, I do. I think they'll absolutely do that. And that was one of my knocks with bringing in Winston and Mariota. Those are guys that are going to have to sit for a year. Um, I, I don't think that they're guys that are going to cave to media pressure. Um, and you also got to look at what you're putting, you know, that, that quarterback in front of as well. If they don't get this offensive line patched up, um, so I, I do believe that they'll they'll just go with what they have, and they're not gonna you know bend unless unless Gino or whoever the starter is is just playing so off the charts terribly, where it's just like, come on, this guy's coming out and throwing four or five picks a game, and we're just getting blown out every single game. I, I don't think they're gonna cave to media pressure. What do you think, Panda? Uh, I don't think they'll cave to media pressure, but at the same time, if you know we're talking about Geno struggling for a third consecutive season and we're seeing more of the same, I think the coaching staff as a whole will want to go to a young quarterback like Mariota. You might not want to go to him in September, but if it's November and the team is you know two and six or three and seven, I don't see why they wouldn't go to a young quarterback at that point. Uh, and there will be a lot of pressure to do so. But I don't think it'll be that they cave in immediate pressure. I think it'll be at that point, if it gets to that point, it'll just be, okay, we've seen Gino on tape on two, for two years struggling. He's doing the same thing with us. It's time to call a spade a spade and go to the next guy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting. Cause we I mean, we had Ron Pickett on all the time. He's always tweeting us back. And he, if you ever – you know, he's Coach Ron Scouts on, on Twitter – you know, he always shared. He, there's one thing about Mariota was like, this kid needs to sit for a year. He needs, he, he's got talent, but he needs to sit. So if you determine that your young quarterback after week six isn't ready to play, I don't care what the media is saying. It's just like, listen, 
he's not ready to play, and that's it. You know, it's just like I'm, I'm hoping that this this front office and this head coach and, and Woody Johnson as well is willing to say, listen, we understand what you're saying, but he's not ready to play. He's not going to play. And I think in the past, Woody Johnson would panic or he'd get involved, and I think the wrong decisions were made. And I'm hoping going forward, I mean, Joe from Long Beach, that's, that's my concern at least, that you know, we have, we're going in the right direction. We have guys in place. Give them a chance to do their job and don't force the issue with players or even just make you know, foolish decisions. Yeah, and, and, and that's what I'm hoping that Woody just kind of falls back. I mean, he hasn't been a guy in my mind that has, you know, necessarily made any of the super bright off uh, football moves as well. Like I said, Tebow comes to mind definitely. Um, so as Whoa. long as he sits back and let these guys, <laughs> let these guys uh, do what they need to do and make the moves they need to make, we'll we'll be a fine team. I also wanted to kind of touch on our, uh, on the offensive line as well. Can we go back to that just a little bit? Jordan. Yeah, Vladimir Dukas all the way. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Vladimir this, you know what? I, I think this draft, and I understand everyone wants Mariota, and that's awesome. Like, that's cool or whatever. But I think this draft, this is a draft I believe we should trade down and get offensive linemen. There's so many guys out there. Um, a couple guys I like is Lester Cotton, uh, Richie Pettibon, uh, Javon Patterson, uh, even a Tyler Carr. These aren't guys that you have to draft in the first round. But these are guys that you can trade down outside of Lester Cotton, who I think is very good and definitely going to be a first-rounder. But this is going to, these are guys that I believe we can trade down and gain value in this draft, and we can pick up offensive linemen coming and moving down the draft that I think are going to make our offensive line immediately better. Because even if we do bring winners back, who is terrible, um, even if we bring uh, you know the, the other guards that we have back, uh, he, Willie Colon is gone. We shouldn't have anything to do with him. He's trash. So we have to get better at those two spots as well. And I think that those these are guys, this draft, that has lots of quality offensive linemen here. If we pass up in this draft and we don't trade down, we could see a lot of problems coming in. Because I don't think we, we should overpay uh, offensive linemen on the free agency list with this draft, like somewhat stacked with, with offensive linemen talent. I mean, I think we have to draft. I think we have to add a couple of offensive linemen. I would say two, if not three. So, I mean, if you do spend the money on a guy like Mike Ayupati from San Francisco, who I who I love, mm-hmm. not, that's gonna be my guy. Mm-hmm. You know, all right, whip on Copels, well, I'm gonna be promoting Ayupati for the next three months. So, I hope everybody's ready for that. Um, but you know, you spend the money on him. I still wouldn't mind spending the top ten pick on an offensive lineman there, or maybe trading down from six if you could find somebody and taking a guy like a Leo Collins or a Brennan Scherf or whoever else. You know, maybe it's one of the names that you mentioned, or uh, you know, Cameron Irving from Florida State. He was playing everywhere: guard, tackle, center, quarterback. You know, he was everywhere. You know, take one of those guys. Actually, Irving is actually a name I really like, but I, I wouldn't take a top ten pick on him. But, you know, you're going to need – to me, you look at the offensive line, you have two huge question marks at guard. Willie Colon is gone. The penalty machine, he's gone. You know, um, Ryan Winters, he's coming off of injury. Don't really – and he wasn't really that effective his first year. We all know his struggles. And last year, again, it was kind of more of the same. And Odeabushi, he's still a question mark. You want to have a guy like him for competition because he can play tackle and guard. But, you know, outside of that – there's not really a lot of depth on this team, so I would add two guards and definitely a right tackle at this point because, as we saw last year with Giacomini, 
yeah, when he was playing, you know, semi-decent players, he'd do okay. He'd do his job. But as soon as the speed rusher came, you knew the quarterback was mincemeat. So I look at adding two guards and a tackle, maybe even three guards in this draft, and have just a big open competition. You know, sign someone, draft a couple guys. Because you know what? If you're going to have a Geno Smith at quarterback, you're going to need a strong offensive line back there. You're going to need to give him time. Otherwise, it's going to be more of the same. No, I, it's hard to argue about this. I think I think it's a strong point because it's just like it's the foundation of your offense. So, Joe, I mean, I mean, Joe from Long Beach, you're you're thinking more of go through the draft and spend your money elsewhere. I mean, or you're thinking, you know, if you can get an Ayupati and then maybe supplement him with draft picks. I mean, what's your your preference is going through That's the draft, right. I guess, right? Yeah, my okay. preference is going through the draft because I think that Mike Ayupati, I, I think he's a great lineman. I, I do agree with him on that point as well. But I think he's a guy that's gonna he's he's gonna cost. And don't get me wrong, I understand we have a lot of money, and that's and that's great too. But I think there's other positions that we could spend that money at. Like I, I think the corner is going to be a big chase. We saw how much a lot of those guys got paid last year at cornerback position, and like I said, we're we're coming into a season where we're going to have to pretty much rebuild our whole secondary. I do not want to see Calvin Pryor in the starting lineup. I'm sorry, he's trash. He's not a guy that can cover. We don't need to have anything to do with him. Um, so I, I look at we're going to have to look at bringing guys in at different positions, and I don't necessarily love putting rookies in, in the secondary, but I love rookie offensive linemen because they always pay. A lineman is always your surest bet to draft in the first round. Those guys usually turn out, if not you know better than whatever you thought they were going to be, they usually turn out decent. There's very few busts as far as offensive line goes in the, in, in the first round. So that, that a sure bet, I'm ready to go for it. You know, and the one thing is interesting you say, and especially with the situation where it was Todd Bowles and his aggressive defense where he loves the blitz, mm-hmm. if you bring in veteran corners, even a Cromartie as a stopgap, you know, cause they can hold the fort under, you know, to, to support that blitz program. So if you have rookies out there that are on islands getting torched left and right and struggling, you have some challenges mm-hmm. there. So I think it would make sense to bring in a veteran secondary, a Cromartie. I mean, I, like, I agree that you have like a Marcus Williams, you have Milner, and McDougal. Those are all young guys that can, you can learn and develop. But if you could support them with some veteran guys, I, I think it'd be great. An interesting thing came up just now, and this is what Hans was sending to us was, um, you know, what about Chris Ivory? Chris Ivory's entering a, you know, a, basically a contract year. Do you try adding two more years on his contract, or what do you do with Chris Ivory? We'll start with uh, Panda. What oh. do you think? With me on Chris Ivory, uh, you know, he is coming into a contract year, but at the same time, he's getting kind of up there and. You know, how much money are you really going to give him at this point? Uh, I mean, he carries the ball, what is it, less than 200 times a year, around 200 times a year. He's, you know, he's 26 years old. He's going to be 27 at the start of the season. I'm not giving him a major deal. And, and personally to me, I would let the season play out. I don't think he's somebody who next off season is going to be in high demand. I mean, he carried the ball 200 times this year, 820 yards, six touchdowns. That was great. You know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be spending the money on him. I'd be looking elsewhere right now. I'd be looking to tie up Wilkerson, Snacks, maybe Davis as well. His contract is coming up at the end of next season, I believe. So, or the end of this season, I should say, coming up 2015. Those are the guys I'm looking to tie up. Davis, Wilkerson, Snacks. And after next year, it's going to be Richardson, and, you know, the list goes on and on. So, Ivory, no, I'd let this season play out and see how it goes with him. Because you never know with his injury history. You just don't. What about you, Joe yeah, Long yeah, I, I definitely I agree somewhat with Panda. Um, he's a guy that I want to I want to go into the season and kind of see what happens to him because he does have an extensive in, injury history. But I love the way that he runs. I I, I, I like Chris Rivey being our starter either way it goes. 
Um, so I would I would definitely look to give him a two year extension, but I wouldn't break the bank for him. Uh, but he is definitely a guy that I think is dynamic. Um, I think he's underrated in this league. I do. I think he's vastly underrated in this league. I think he's a a great runner. He can catch the ball and he can also block as well. And we saw that various times within in this season when he's used correctly, you start to see that this guy is extremely talented. Um, but I, I think that there's other things that also we need to start addressing in that running back group as well. I think we need a speed back. I think we need a change of pace back. Um, I think Bilal Powell's probably going to get butted out this year. Richardson, the guy that we brought in uh, last year that ended up on our practice squad, I'm excited to see what we get out of him this year, especially with Chris Johnson being gone. So it could end up being a three-headed monster, um, and that's why I just wouldn't break the bank for Ivory as well anyway. Yeah, and the thing, the problem you have now, I have with running backs is now it seems like they're a dime a dozen, and you know the money can be spent wisely elsewhere because you can draft these guys now. You know, like you don't see, I mean, you know, Demarco Murray's going to be out there, maybe Marshawn Lynch and these guys, but like you just can't justify paying five, six, seven million dollars a running back where you can get an adequate replacement in a draft or much cheaper. I mean, you mentioned Bilal Powell, but the one thing about Ivory that I think is interesting is that. Chan Gailey will maximize his talent and get him in space. And that guy in space, mm-hmm. the ball in his hands, going to run over people left and right. So he could have huge years where I think this year he wasn't used nowhere near enough. I think this coming season he'll be used a lot. And he'll probably put up big numbers. But I'm with you guys. I don't mean, I'd like to keep him, but not at no ridiculous you know, contract. If you could extend him, great. If you can't, hey, draft somebody. You know, it's, it, it is what it is at this point. I mean, it's just there's only so much money to go around. I think there's bigger priorities somewhere else. Um, the other thing is we had a couple of tweets about this, and I know I already have my take on this. And the, the story came out today about how David Lee, you know, Rex Ryan's new buddy in Buffalo, was talking about Geno Smith and his blunders and how it killed the team. And, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about Rex Ryan and, and, his, and his staff and anything else, but the only thing I have to say is the only thing David Lee should be worrying about right now is teaching E.J. Manuel the Wildcat because it's all he's good for. And before he, rip, before he rips his former cornerbacks, you're the quarterback coach. If the quarterbacks didn't develop, guess who that's on? It's on David Lee. So for me, it's a non-story. I find it comical. I mean, anybody, any offensive coach that had the nerve to talk about our offense, I mean, dude, that you're part of the problem. So, I mean, Panda, you have any takes on this? I found it. I was just laughing. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, I didn't really quite believe it when I first saw it come across the screen. I'm like, David Lee rips Geno Smith. I'm like, oh, God, here we go again with more, you know, comments. But then when I read it, you know, this exact, I felt the same exact thing. Like, wait a minute. So you're saying Geno Smith was the problem because of the turnovers, but aren't you the one who is primarily responsible for teaching him not to turn the ball over? To, to, make, to make the reads and to, you know, teach him and get him to be better? Instead, he didn't progress at all. He didn't. Last year, there was no progression. I don't care what anyone say. There was no progression. And in anything, there was regression. All right? And that falls on Marty Morningwig and David Lee. Marty Morningwig hasn't opened his mouth. David Lee did. Well, you know what? Go have fun with E.J. Manuel, who was replaced by Uncle Rico, who is now back in retirement. Go have fun with that. We'll see how that works out for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I found I found it absolutely comical. I mean, the only thing he was supposed to be the guru of this, guru of that. The only thing he did yeah. was create wildcat plays. Never worked, and almost got Michael Vick killed. So, I mean, that's, yeah, I worked mean, for ten games, sixty years ago, and now he's a freaking superstar. Give me a break. Yeah, him, him, and, him and Tony Sperano are so outdated right now. But I mean, Joe from Long Beach, do you have any takes on this? I mean, I, I found it ridiculous. Just a guy. Yeah, this just another guy running his yapper as he, you know, <laughs> waddles his way to Buffalo. I'm, I don't. I don't give haters any kind of shine at all over here. I don't. You know, go to Buffalo and have a nice day. That, that's yeah. it. You know, you, you, you coach Gino. 
he didn't get better. You also coach Mark, he didn't get any better. So, you know, it is what it is. The the the, the numbers speak for themselves. So you are part of the problem, uh, and that's that. So just get on about your business. Kick rocks. Go to go to go yeah, to Buffalo. Get get Tim Tebow up there. Get Ronnie Brown out of the <laughs> retirement home, and you can run the Wildcat all day. Let me know how it works out for you. Yeah, no, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna bring Brad Smith up there. Let Brad Smith run their offense for a while too, while they're get while they're at it. Um, there you the only, go. <laughs> the, the, the only thing I have left for you guys is just, you know, it seems like everybody right now is kind of okay with the quarterback situation being kind of in flux, where it's like. I don't think Geno's going to go anywhere. He's still going to be there this year. He's going to compete for a job, which he wins. Who knows? You're going to try to bring in guys. And, you know, it's like everybody's like Glennon. Ah, you know, it's kind of young potential maybe. Jake Locker, same thing. Christian Ponder oh, seems God. like he's not all that good. But they're names that it's kind of like, all right, names that you're not really sure of. The one guy that seems to be intriguing, and we get tweets about this guy all the time. Well, actually, it's two guys. It's Ryan Mallett and Sam Bradford. Mm-hmm. And, and they're both, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Bradford obviously is not available yet. But, I mean, I'll start with you, Joe, from Long Beach. What's your take on both those guys? Like, I, I can make a case for both of them. And you know what? And there, there are guys that, you know what, Bradford especially, if you can keep him healthy, there's something there. Exactly. Um, my, my pick out of those two would probably be, uh, Bradford, because like you said, when you keep him healthy, there's something there. You've seen flashes from this guy, but again, with the injury history, you don't know. Mallet is a guy that he's got a big arm, but he never, you know, you never really see him put stuff together to where he comes out and it's like he's the man. You know, it's, it's just so there's still murky waters there. But if there, if I had to pick one out of the two, it would definitely be Bradford. Yeah, I'm gonna have to echo. I'm going to have to echo that. When it comes to Ryan Mallett, this is the only remembrance I have of Ryan Mallett is him going to Michigan, then turning his back on us and going to play in freaking Arkansas. So you know what? You want to go play in Arkansas, Ryan Mallett? You don't want to be a Michigan man, then I don't want you on my football at my Jets either. I don't want Ryan Mallett. Get him the heck out of here. When it comes to Bradford, if he does get released from his contract, I'll take Sam Bradford on a cheap deal, which is what he would get. If he is released, that's what he's going to get. He's not going to get big bucks. He'd get a cheap one, two-year deal with incentives, and that would be a great pickup, I think, because if he stays healthy, I think you've got a top 15 quarterback in this league. If he doesn't stay healthy, then you know what? If it's incentive-laden, one- or two-year deal, you can cut ties in a year or two, and it's over. My name after those two? I mean, everybody I know has talked about Brian Hoyer and Nick Foles as possibilities if the Eagles do trade up for Mariota. Tyson, Mike Lennon, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's a terrible move right there. I would actually take a look at Mike Lennon, especially if the Bucks go Winston or Mariota, which I'm sure they will. I think Mike Lennon would be an interesting name. I would definitely bring him in here, inquire with the Bucks, see if they would you know, let him go for a fifth-round pick or so. Why not? Mike Lennon's got talent. He didn't really get a chance down there in Tampa Bay. I mean, I guess it comes down to if Chan Gailey would like him and think he could fit his system. But I think Mike Lennon has a lot of intriguing possibilities here. No, I do too. And it's just, you know, it's like it's all about bringing the young talent to compete. And you, it's like almost like you're taking mm-hmm. – it's, it's more than a shot in the dark. The kid has talent. It's just like why not? I mean, if you, if you have some kind of faith in Chan Gailey, which some of us do more than others, it, you. you know, it's worth a shot. You know, it's <laughs> – <laughs> And you know what, Tyson? What about what about if, if Houston lets go old neckbeard Ryan Fitzpatrick? He can come here. We can call him little baby Jesus with that beard here in New York. Get a big marketing strategy for him. You know the well, Ryan he's, Fitzpatrick he's show. That'd be another name. But he no. But I know he's, he's under contract. contract but what if they let him go? What if they let well, him go? I have a I. <laughs> so I have a guy that I think we can bring in. Oh God! Oh, here we go. Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn. 
Oh, Brady Jimmy Quinn. He's gonna say. He's gonna say Brady Quinn. Oh, Jimmy Clausen. The, oh, the ostrich. Are you better. kidding me? Come on. Jimmy Clausen. Tyson, I know why you. Tyson, I know why you don't want us to draft a quarterback this year. You want Everett Golston next year. I know it. Oh, oh please, that guy. But you know what, you guys? I gotta find a way each week to incorporate, incorporate the Notre Dame fight song. That's all I try to do. Yeah, well, Ryan, you know what? Ryan, Ryan Mallett is not coming here. He turned his back on Michigan. He can go jump off a bridge. This Notre Dame loving <laughs> is making me sick. Oh, it's horrible, goodness. isn't it? It's horrible. It's try, terrible, being his, try being his friend and hearing it all the time. It's horrible. Oh, my God. I want to throw up. You find a way to play that fight song every week, man. Every week. I got to get points. I got to get points for creativity, no? <laughs> oh, my God. Everett Golston, 2016. Tyson's next article. Why Everett Golston is the New York Jets' savior in 2016 by Tyson Roush. I can see it next. Oh, my goodness. Dane Chris. <laughs> My, 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 last, my, my last question for you guys is this, is, you know, in terms of going into this year, there's a lot of questions, a lot of rebuilding going on and things like that, which we all know. But would you, in terms of progress, would you guys be willing to, in a, you know, an obviously a solid defense, an improved offense, but no established quarterback after the first year? Would you guys be okay with that? I mean, would you, like, say if we bring in a Mike Glennon or a Jake Locker, it doesn't work out. But the team, they're five and eleven, six and ten, and you see, you see progress, you see improvement. Would you be okay with that after the first year, with, with still no franchise quarterback? Uh, I, I, I absolutely would, because I believe that the, I believe that the field kind of forces your hand with that. If you look at what's available to us at this point, uh, with the draft and with free agency. So if I see an improved team uh, on, you know. Other places uh, within the team, our offensive line is improved, our secondary is improved, our defense overall is improved. You know, just scheme-wise, it's improved well. Our play calling is pretty solid, but our, our quarterback still sucks. Well, then that's fine because that's something we can build on. We can fix next year. Um, that's definitely something we could look at fixing next year. So I wouldn't have a problem with that necessarily. First three and out of the season, I'm firing everybody. Get out of here. <laughs> fire Bulls, fire McCagney, fire Gailey. Three and out. I want 16 and 0 and a championship where I'm not satisfied. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, no, I'd be fine with that because, like, you know, you guys have said and we've said all night here, it's going to be hard to really add a franchise quarterback this offseason unless we get lucky in a situation where we get a Bradford and he stays healthy or we trade for a Glennon or Foles and they all of a sudden emerge. You know, unless that happens, and, and who knows, it could happen, but unless that happens, I think it is going to be that type of situation where hopefully we see improvement on the defense, hopefully we see improvement from the offensive skill position players, and we get a 6-10, and 7-9 season, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, and then, you know, look towards hopefully finding that franchise quarterback if it's not Geno Smith or if it's not someone else next year. But that being said, first three and out. I'm screaming punt it now. <laughs> no, I, th- I think it's you know it's interesting because like you know a lot of times fans we preach patience, 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 patience. You know, now I think this yeah, year yeah. may truly be about that, where the team the team may improve. You may see like you know quality football, tough football, physical. You know, you know I think there's gonna be a little probably a growing pains, a learning curve for both McHagnan and and Bowles. But if you see them playing smart, physical football, and we're still a quarterback away. I'm okay with that because you can't – you can only get so much yeah. out of a rock. I mean, if there's no quarterbacks out there, what else are you supposed to do? 
Yeah, I don't go into this season with an expectation of a win-loss record. I just go into the season hoping to see improvement in all three areas of the game, offense, defense, special teams. And if we get that, the record will you know, land where it may. And if they have a nice 6-10, and 7-9 season, it's better than we had this year where the expectations were high and the team came crashing down. So, you know, as long as we get improvement around the team, I think the quarterback situation will figure itself out eventually. There's two ways to win in this league. Either you have a great quarterback or you have a great team around a decent quarterback. So one mm-hmm. way or the other, we've got to improve this team and see what happens. No, I agree. I mean, what do you think, uh, Joe from Long Beach? Yeah, I, I totally agree with what with, with Panda said. You don't always have to have a guy that, you know, just an absolute, you know, mind-boggling thrower and he can hit the guys that we surround a decent quarterback with a solid team and an offense that, that's built for him to succeed, then we'll be all right, too. But, you know, I, I kind of look at this year as just kind of a – I wouldn't say a wash year. I, this should be a year of growth and improvement, you know, where we see guys just – to see things just get better instead of getting worse. So This year will be no, about I the tailgating. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, it's like it's about having reasonable expectations, though. And I think one of the, the mm-hmm. most prominent things at this press conference was that – the, reason, the expectations are reasonable. They're going to work hard. They're going to try their best. They're going to try to figure things out. And they're going to have a legit plan in place. And let's see what happens. And let's not promise what we can't you know, provide. So I think it's a good thing. And you know, I think hopefully the, the fan base embraces that. And there's no just, you know, no guys like Panda running around at one and four that wants to fire everybody. I'm firing everybody. I'm telling you, first loss of the season, billboards are going up, T-shirts are going on. I want blood. 16-0, and 0, that's it. Come on, Joe, you're with me. <laughs> no. Sixteen and zero. We fire everybody, and we sign Salim Akeem as head coach. Come on. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm riding out. We'll see what happens. <laughs> well, we talked uh, talk about a fun. lot of things. Um, we 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 talked about a lot of things. Um, Joe from Long Beach. Before we let you go, man, be sure to give everybody your information once again. I know you're getting a lot of uh, feedback on your videos and things like that. Yeah, I, I want to thank you guys again for having me on the show. It's always awesome to uh, speak with you guys. I also want to say what's up and thank Henry as well. He's just awesome as well. Um, my Twitter is YoungJ000. Uh, that's three zeros. My YouTube is YoungJ00. That's two zeros. Uh, I do weekly picks of uh, the NFL games. I'm going all the way to the Super Bowl. I also talk Jets. Uh, it's a Jets show, uh, basically. I usually do three picks, though, throughout the season. Two games are usually, you know, two random teams that people request. Uh, there's always one Jets game. So, you know, definitely hit me up, comment, troll if you like to. I'll troll you back, and we'll see how it goes. Awesome, Joe. Thanks again, man. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Bye. Well, Joe, we had a, we had a lot of a lot of discussion tonight. We didn't think we get that much of a press conference, but it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. I mean, there's a lot of you know a lot of moving parts, a lot of hiring still needs to go on, and then before you know it, I mean, it's going to be free agency going to be around the corner. So there's going to be a lot of changes going on before we actually get to free agency. Oh yeah, there's a lot of hope in the air, a lot of uh, intensity. Everybody wants to win. Everybody, you know, it's been four years since we made the playoffs. Everybody's frustrated. Everybody's excited for a new regime change. I'm excited. You're excited. You know, a lot of work there, but like you said, there is a lot of work to be done between now and March. We've got about seven, eight weeks until free agency starts. I'm sure before then we're going to see some cuts that surprise us and possibly some extensions that make us happy. But right now it's important over these next seven, eight weeks for Todd Bowles, Mike McCagnan, and the entire coaching staff to sit down, review tape, evaluate where they want to go with the 53-man roster, like they said today, and we'll take it in stride from there. All I can say is one thing is for sure, 
March is going to be interesting. It is going to be a very interesting time for the New York Jets to see who we add and who we let go. Because every year, you know, they're going to sign someone who you don't expect, and they're going to let go someone who you don't expect. Yeah, no doubt. And you're going to learn a lot about the philosophies of both of both McCagnan and Bowles within the first month of free agency. You're going to learn, not even first two weeks. You're going to be like, wow, do these guys want to get either. Yeah, they either want to go the veteran route, they want to go with the youth movement. We're going to learn a lot about their direction. It's going to, it's going to happen quickly, and it's going to be exciting, man. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I want to thank all the callers tonight. I know we missed a couple of you, so uh, we'll do our best to get you guys on next time. We apologize for that. Um, we'll keep you guys active on Twitter, too. Hopefully our, our good friend Henry will be back next week so we can interact with everybody. Um, and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have on like you know our good friend Ron to help give us draft evaluations. We're going to have on agents, possibly a couple of players or two, you know, player or two, so... Stay tuned. We're on iTunes. And, Joe, give out your information, man. I know everybody knows you as the panda, but make sure everybody knows what your Twitter ID is. Yep, as usual, uh, Twitter is at L7Panda. You can find me on there. We'll talk Jets. Whatever you want to talk about, I'm ready to talk about. Just don't bring up Deflategate, please. I'm so tired of that already. Yeah, I've already lost interest in that too, Matt. Just to me, it's just like more people hating on the Patriots and nothing's going to change. So I, I just thumb over it, dude. Yeah, the Seahawks are going to wipe this slate with them next, next week anyway. <laughs> All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you guys next Tuesday.